0: Welcome to the Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub podcast. AGS is a leading provider of agronomy services, exclusive products and unrivaled customer support, underpinned by a well-qualified and experienced team of former sports turf managers. AGS. Supply. Consult. Support. Jim, thank you ever so much for joining us uh, today on the first edition of the Turf Hub from AGS. No, you're welcome. Happy to be here. Part of kind of work with you, I've noticed, even though you are at the highest standard and you do have a good bit of humility to it, you know what I mean? And you bring everything back down to earth.
1: Oh, it's a strange one, really, because I kind of... I completely am aware of where I am
0: mm. and
1: what my role is, what my job is and everything like that. But I think, ultimately, I have to keep it simple because I think... It's trying to get that balance back right again. So I've got the whole get deep into the data, do the work, analyse everything, plan everything, tear all the plans up, start again, all the rest of it. So I need to go flip it and bring it all back down. So what I tend to do is, just right, I'm here, I get paid to do a job, I do the job, I drive home, and then I'm with the family at the end. And that's the only way. So it just gives me a chance to just, typical man, just be able to slot that in that compartment and close the drawer. And then I open this compartment and become dad husband etc etc and that's that's just the easiest way to kind of mentally decompress i think is probably the best
0: way to describe it well you need to though don't you
1: oh absolutely yeah yeah i mean it's full-on it's a job that you just you you don't get really much chance just to switch off completely so Mm. i mean i mean we've been talking before but i mean my wife Tends to make, keep me distracted at home and it's not in, a, not in a great way. I have to decorate. So I've actually found it quite therapeutic because it doesn't give me an opportunity to think about anything else apart from the job that I'm doing. So yeah. that's been quite good. Um, I'm not a big fan of decorating, but I do find that's actually about as good as it can be with regards to being distracted enough to worry about work because mm-hmm. otherwise I, I will just sit there and I'll go straight online and I'll be researching for something and then something will come into my head and I'll be like, oh yeah, hold on a minute, maybe just let me just check that and then. Before I know it, I've gone and wasted two or three hours, and I'm just like, wow, that's <laughs> that's just work, you know. Yeah. But uh, it, it's difficult. Everybody you, you, says oh, you shouldn't sweat the small stuff, but it's the small details and everything that add all the percentages. You see, so it's yeah. uh, well, we, we've had this conversation, and I, I, it's kind of something I still stick by. But I think for for a bulk of pitches, if you're a good groundsman, you can generally get about eighty percent of the way there. Albeit, yeah, you've got to have the resources and a little bit of luck and things like that. But I think once you get to the elite level, we we are chasing the rest. So we 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 are chasing the rest, and that's what and we are we are we are continuously chasing because we never to get there. We we're never going to sit back and go, this is it. We've nailed it. This is where it's going to be. But we know we're just at a peak of a wave, and it's going to just come crashing back down again at some point. Whether that be the weather, whether it be more usage, whatever it's going to be. So. That that's what it is, and uh, and that's the best way to describe it. It's just mm. that that guy, those guys are saying, yeah, well, you've got this, you can do that, and it's like, well, oh, everybody can achieve it to a degree. And all all you're doing is just chasing the chasing the fine margins at the elite level. Everything gets analysed, and you're never happy with eighty five percent. You want ninety nine percent, you know. But it's just you don't get it. You just don't get it. But that doesn't stop us chasing.
0: So it's all part of it, though, mate, isn't it?
1: The thing is, though, if you if you if you lose that hunger to want to be chasing that perfection, then you're going to struggle after that because you need that motivation, and that and that's motivation for me is is that continual chasing, and I think it is for a lot of groundsmen. I think it is that chase for perfection, knowing that you can't achieve it, but that's what your aim is going to be. Uh, everybody says I oh, need to have a realistic goal, but I, I think that is real to a lot of people, uh, and it is. It's uh, and that's what you're doing. You're just continuously pushing
0: i see it with the kind of best people i work with all of them have all the fundamentals in place you know and they're continuously striving for that perfection but i don't think i've heard many of them say they're 100 percent happy at any point it's always
1: Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Uh, uh, we're as easy to cut our own cut ourselves (laughs) so much it's unbelievable and I, i think that is by nature just how we are i think we're we don't need other people to critique us. We do a very good job on our own. And it and it will lead to not sleeping very well. It will lead to anxiety. It will lead to overanalyzing. It will lead to overthinking. And that's just all part and parcel of it. And I think it's just having that ability to be able to manage that. There's a time to unleash it and let that happen, and which tends mm-hmm. to you try and make sure it happens as much as you can in the workplace and then be able to – I mean, I'm quite fortunate. I mean, I live 80 miles away, so my community home – decompressed by the time I walk in the door so so that part of it's all finished but that, I mean that is what it is I mean we, we we do we will critique ourselves we don't need any help from anybody else we don't need anybody to tell us our pictures are bad we don't need any, anybody to tell us our pictures are good we, we pretty much know yeah. where, where we're at with it because we're looking at it every day we're analysing it every day and we will we will find something that's not right 100% yeah. it's just it's just in the nature
0: that's what keeps you going a chasing for that perfection but i do think it's an important part of it that you do get that switch off and enable yourself to relax
1: it gets better as you get older i mean when i was a lot younger but it would be all the time especially when you get yourself in a, a role where there's a lot going on and it's very fast and furious it's it's even harder then to just be able to switch off because because you're so busy in the job, you don't get that opportunity to sit back, reflect, plan, analyze, everything's all happening at a million miles an hour. Mm. So you're, literally just, it's, you're knocking from one thing to the other. So then all that bit before work and all that bit after work is then that opportunity to analyze and think back and record and earn all that piece. All of a sudden your eight hour day that you're doing turns into 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours, you know? it is very difficult to switch off. I, I found since I became a dad, that was kind of the switch for me. It was just like, oh, it's it. I can get to that point where I joke. It is very much not, it's a shallow joke. It's not a true sing joke, but I do actually think that's oh, just a piece of grass. Mm. It's far more important. bonus. Uh, my kids are happy and healthy and can I provide for them looking after, looking after um, my family? And I think that's quite a good distraction from the job
0: a lot a lot of people have said that to me and, and i'm still yet to to have children but i find the the peace when i go and as you know with arthur the yeah. dog you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and also i've got jade that will quite happily keep me grounded
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that is it though i think you do need to have somebody that's got no familiarity with the industry yeah. Uh, and you're able to talk about their work rather than your work, that's always quite good. So, I mean, I always get home and, as like lots of couples do, you sit down and you watch a bit of TV, but before you get into something, you just have a chat, how was your day, things like that, you know, and it just helps It helps you kind of switch off from what you're doing. It's just a – I, I mean, I've got three kids and, well, that's about as distracted as you could get, I think, <laughs> because I walk in the door, the Xbox doesn't work, the route has gone down, the, I've smashed my iPad. Um, well, I've just got my youngest, who's just she's she's lively. I think it's safe to say. So yeah, she wants to do backflips, front flips, jump off the bonfire, of stairs at me as soon as I walk in the door, that sort of thing. So yeah, and that's nice, and I need that mm. though because I I don't think I don't think managing it all on your own is a good thing. You have to have that distraction, and whether that's a hobby, whether that's whether you play golf, whether you go and play football the weekends when you have got free weekends. Mm. Um, whatever you do as long as it's something that's not work related as in oh I'm going to look after my lawn or my garden you know it's just like no yeah. you just need to find something completely different albeit saying that though I think there's a lot of groundsmen who don't actually have other hobbies because they're just too busy yeah <laughs> there's no other not even have an opportunity to have a hobby but um yeah it's definitely something that's I've, that I've not been able to take anything up as a hobby but like I say my family's the distraction at the moment so it keeps mm-hmm. me uh Keep, keeps me distracted from the work.
0: But do they, with, with your kids and stuff, do they understand uh, your job role? Do they, you know, you're you're the head of, of Twickenham.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, my youngest, I mean, I think it's more the fact that she doesn't really care about anything. So I don't think I can really <laughs> hold it against her that she knows what I'm doing or where she But she's very aware that I work at, uh, at Twickenham. And I brought them down here uh, any stadium or job that I've worked in the UK where I can take them. I will take them with me so they can see it and they can burn some energy off and just see what i do my lad's come down a couple of days it's just for like work experience with school so he's come down so he's got a bit of slightly better understanding of what i'm doing day to day and things like that but yeah no they know they do know i don't say whether that makes a massive impact on <laughs> their lives i doubt it but they, yeah if anybody asks what does your dad do they can they can pretty much say what i do so that's something i guess it's
0: a good start mate it's-
1: yeah, like I say, sometimes it's uh, it's not a bad thing, I guess. It's um, again, if you've got quite a unique role within a quite a unique industry, mm. I think there is quite a, quite an element there that's quite alien to a lot of people. Yeah, true. So almost to the point where they don't even realise it's an industry, you know. I mean, everybody turns the TV on and sees a sport, and they're just like, well, they're, they're, it's not even a thought process, is it? So
0: yeah, I think that's a big point we can touch on later on. Especially with people kind of flicking on on TV, and um, quite quick to kind of judge at some points. And but before we get into that, one of the first questions I wanted to ask you is that: what's the kind of story behind how you got here? You know, from I saw a thing that you put out on social media a little while ago, and I think it was a wage slip from when you uh, first started your apprentice.
1: Oh right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So as well, that was yeah, that was a letter from the uh, bursar confirming my pay rise of a of a massive fifteen pounds a week or something. for a... <laughs> But yeah, so it's um, I don't know. Is it? Was, uh, to be honest, I mean, I got to. I finished. I finished school. Did my GCSEs, and uh, I lived at home with my dad and. My brother, so my parents are divorced, so, so so me and my brother stay with my dad through our school years, our formative school years. And um, my dad's been a massive kind of mentor and, as well as a dad. But I mean, he's very, very happy to kind of share advice and steer and all the rest of it. So he's, he's Scottish, so he's quite abrupt and he was, he's quite happy to tell you how it is. So I kind of finished school, a bit mediocre, not brilliant. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. So I kind of signed up for sixth form, tossed around for a bit, didn't really come out with anything, any creditation or anything out of that, which was a bit of a disaster. While I was still making my mind up, I guess like a lot of people, they just don't really want to leave the school. They're not too sure what they want to do, so they just kind of hang on to what they know. So yeah, I kind of left there and, and I said, we've well, got two options here. You can either come and work with me, which was at Weetabix and Burton Latimer at the time, so he said you can do an engineering apprenticeship and you can train to be an engineer and look after the lines and machinery in the the ovens and stuff like that. Or so, well, whatever, what, what do you want to do? And I said I want to work outside. So I mean, I was mad into my sport. I love my football. I played rugby as well, and I was just like, I, I just I think I'm where I'd be outside. So to be fair, even my mum got involved and they started trawling through, seeing what was what, what we could, what I could do, and they did. Uh, VIP apprenticeships, so this is like mid-90s, so we're talking about 96, 97, and they had one at Kim Bolton School, uh, and it was a day release at Morton College, which is in Northamptonshire.'s uh like a lot of these, it's an agricultural college, but it had a sidearm that did horticulture as well, and amenity sports, so I saw myself, did the interview with the college, so they said yes, had the interview with Kim Bolton School, they said yes, so that was it, it was kind of up and running really. My my boss there was Andy Traynell, great guy, really great guy, got on really well with him, and uh, my first day, and I'll never forget it, he literally said, right, come follow me. So he he took a B-Series tractor, Kubota, took it out to the middle of the field. So it was in the middle of the school holidays because it started in, like, July, so it was before term started. And he parked up in the middle of his field, and he got off of it, and he said, right, um, learn how to drive that. And he just walked off. (laughs) <laughs> it's left me in this field, and I'm just like, "All oh, right, okay. So, and that was it. That was my first two hours of working, was to try and work out how to drive a compact tractor.
0: <laughs> it's being uh, chucked in the deep end. There you go, mate. Drive that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I've done my first six months. I think that was um, that was my pay rise, I think. So, I went from £50 a week to £65 a week, I think. There you go. So, something like that it was. It was... Um, Quite significant though, so my, my, um, my dad actually kept it, so he was he was going through his boxes in his garage and he sent the picture down to me, I thought, I was this genius. So, I mean, back in the sort of like mid mid to late 90s, that was like big money. <laughs> I never really had any intentions of, or aspirations to kind of get to the top, it was just a case of I'll just keep working hard and if there's an opportunity there and I think it's something that's going to challenge me, then I'll, that's, that's what I'll do, I'll go for it. Yeah, I started at Kim Bolton um, July 1997, so it was about a month before my 18th birthday. And uh, yeah, that was it. We just went from there, really. So it was it was fairly quick. I, I really loved the work. I loved working outside. I loved working with a team. It was one of those kind of, there's no aspirations, really. You're just there to work and enjoy yourself so at that age. You, you don't really think along those lines. It's like, oh, yeah, I'd love to be head groundsman here, or I'd love to be able to work at this stadium. There's nothing like that. Not when you first start, you're just learning how to look after grass at a very basic sort of level, and then you develop that way. You know, there's no don't, there's no point in pushing something. You need to get a really good understanding of the basics. And I found I got that. I got a good taste of everything at the school. So they did hockey, cricket was the big one, football, lawn tennis, all of these different sort of surfaces to look after and to prepare for and things like that. And I I did actually really enjoy doing Cricket Wicket preparation, it was a, mm. it's quite a fine art. You've really got to get a bit of a feel for it. It's almost dark art sort of thing as well. So you just, you know the right time to roll, you know when you've rolled enough, you know when you haven't rolled too much and things like that. So it's, I really enjoyed that. And I did that for like three, three and a half years. And while I was at college, there was a guy that was working at Russian Diamonds and he said, there's a job that has come up. So I thought, right, I'll, I'm going to apply for that. it'd be nice to work at a professional football club it seemed like quite a natural step it was pretty much it was in my in the town I lived in so um, local club I thought that's nice it it, it would suit me so I went for that I think they had something ridiculous like 200 applicants or something it was something ridiculous so I had I had the interview uh, and I was successful so I kind of I was gutted I was leaving Kim Bolton but it was I think it was a good time for me to move I loved the environment I loved the team that worked there and before I left, I was looking because I'd qualified, I was then looking after the next years of apprentices that had come up. So mm-hmm. I was looking, so I was kind of already supervising guys already. So it was, it was quite nice in that sense. But it just felt like it was the right time. I just felt like I needed to move on and hone my skills a little bit more, looking after professional sports turf. It just seemed like the right move. So yeah, I, I went there as an assistant. Within about a year, I was deputy, just with the way things had shuffled, and then my boss left and went to Spurs, so then I took over from his job, so I became grounds manager at 22 uh, at League Two Club, so it was like, it, was, it all happened very quickly, and that was all in the space of like three years, and some of it was luck, some of it was just fate, and some of it was just, <laughs> I, I just happened to be... Well, he let's give him a go, kind of thing. That's what yeah. it felt like. And I mean it was quite a small club and everybody's really friendly and I thought, well, I'd like to think I'd proved myself at that time I was there, but I must admit it was a, it was a change from like even not even getting the opportunity to really kind of work as a deputy and really kind of get a a good feel for it all. It kind of was like maybe eighteen months, so it's not a really long time in that sense. And it's eighteen months and all of a sudden it's like my boss leaves, like oh, crap I've actually got to make the decisions and it's it's my fault if they don't go right there's <laughs> yeah. no like oh no, do you want to speak to my boss all of that had gone there was no buffer for me so um yeah and then getting used to doing the um obviously the budgets and the POs and things like that and it was it, it's it was a very quick transition so I started yeah that was like 2003 so yeah I was 22 but yeah so I kind of Ran through that and then my boss who was already at Spurs, Paul, he'd, he'd done sort of six months, seven months, and he said to me, he said, oh, there's a, there, there might be a job coming up with me at the stadium, let me know and I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll apply. And it kind of came and and it was interesting really because obviously going from a grounds manager could have potentially probably sat there and really developed the skills. That for me was probably the hardest decision, so essentially stepping back to in terms of title. But being in the Premier League, so that, that it was this kind of like, but should I, shan't I, all of a sudden I've got a, I've got a commute to do, I'd, I'd bought a house by then, so I'd obviously have got responsibilities with regards to that, it wasn't like, oh, if it all goes wrong, I'm just, the bank of dad will bail me out and all of that, that, was, that none of that was there, so it, it was a big decision, and I spoke to my dad for a long time about it, and I remember he was like quite apprehensive, and I was like, well I've got to give it a go, and worst case scenario, I'm going to have to try and find something else. That's that's the way I looked at it. So I went for the interview, met Darren uh, and had the interview and everything. So that was I was quite successful. I had to do a quite a period of a notice period because obviously it was management level, um, at a previous role, so I had to do I had to do three months notice period. So I did the interview in the August and I didn't start actually at Spurs at Wyatt Lane until the December. So I walked in the door on um, December the eighth, two thousand three, which <laughs> this is such a long time ago. Cool. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I was like 2003. I was like, I actually had to think about that for a minute. I'm like, wow. So yeah, I went in there and did that. And then my boss, who actually I worked with previously, he he was like, right, well, I'm going on paternity leave now. I was like, okay. <laughs> he did it. There was no mention of this at all. Kind of. So we had a week together. And then he went off on paternity leave. So my first game that I was in charge for. So essentially, I had to look after it because there was only two of us at the time. Was May United.
0: <laughs> no pressure, mate. Here yeah, you go. Yeah, <laughs> no. And it was
1: in there. And the pitch was in a. It, it was a bit tired. It has to be said. And this was back in the day, obviously before grow lights were going and things yeah. like that. And Wild Lane, I mean, it was such an in, inhospitable environment to grow grass in. And literally, it was pretty much just deso. And there was just strands of grass and tufts of grass plant there. And I was like. Phew, This this is not good. And I remember I kind of like, well, let's see if we can just iron a bit of a pattern in, obviously knowing that there was not going to really be much of a pattern in there at all. So I thought, well, what can I do? And I just thought, well, I've got to to distract it somehow. So I marked out the halfway line four times, literally just coated the paint on. And I've never actually checked the archive footage or anything like that but uh, uh, from what I can remember it was absolutely blinging but it's just to try and distract the fact that there was no grass Yeah. yeah. And I don't know whether it worked or not I thought it was a good idea at the time but so yeah and I, and I stayed as an assistant for sort of like two years I think and then my boss then left being a new dad and everything and he thought it was time to set himself up in his own business so he left and I took over from him so it was July 2005 so I was 24 and I was yeah head groundsman at Lane. Wow, and that was it I was, that, I was kind of that, that was me I was there for sort of 12 years and I was there right pretty much to the end of when the stadium shut down before they moved into the new one yeah I kind of i moved on from there the opportunity was there, there to possibly get out of my comfort zone a little bit so yeah I kind of I moved away from there and had a bit of time in the summer just to kind of take stock of everything I mean it's a long time to be at one stadium and it it was surprising it wasn't until i actually stopped and and i wasn't kind of like oh i need to be doing this or i need to be doing that and it was surprising you don't realize how hard you're working until you stop working yeah uh, and i was exhausted i was absolute toast to be fair and i suppose it's one of those you, you you just learn to operate like that if you know what i mean you mm. just you, the, the, you get by on four hours sleep for a fair old period of time. I'm sure something goes wrong somewhere down the line, but I think you always just, you just learn to adapt, don't you? And that's the same thing. I think when you're in professional sport, that's pretty much what it is. It's just full on all the time. So yeah, when I took a step away from that, I had the summer off, finally got around to doing my garden. That was getting my ear bent about for about three years, four years that we've been living in this house. (laughs) <laughs> so I finally got that ticked off the list, which was a big, big bonus. And I did, I did a little bit of landscaping and a bit bits and pieces, just helping friends out and stuff. And then I got an opportunity to go and work in Malta to look after the, the national stadium out there and their training facilities. Um, they just needed to be a bit of help just to kind of get things back on track. So I went out there and did eight months. That was... Um, Again, it was it was an opportunity to learn something different so I was in a transit I was in the transition zone so we were going from Bermuda grass and transitioning back to wire grass, and then obviously vice versa out the other side so I got to do a couple of transitions and it it was nice you're going in somewhere and you're used to pretty much having everything you need to look after a pitch more or less when you work at a premier League um, football club and just went out there and it was like yeah sorry we haven't got any water
0: today I was like. <laughs> Sorry, water, water.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fairly important, sort of like a uh, resource that you need to keep grass alive yeah. when it's like 42 degrees, you know. So, I was like, but I loved it though, it was such so mm-hmm. nice just to have like literally just get chucked in at the deep end, and mm-hmm. you just have to learn very quickly and build relationships, new relationships, and things like that. And I've obviously still got plenty of friends out there still now that I speak to quite regularly with regards to the Malta Football Association and stuff like that so it was really good and it kind of gave me a bit of a taste for just doing something different so I kind of did that really enjoyed it and then I got chatting to Dean Gillespie and they had a job coming up at Pro Pitch so we were having discussions probably quite early to be fair it was just a case of just when the time was right so I think there was lots of just waiting for all the Uh, dominoes to line up before they flicked the first one over so we were having plenty of discussions and stuff like that had a couple of interviews and yeah I I finished in Malta at the end of March came home went and had a holiday with the family and then that was it I was come back straight back into working with Pro Pitch and it was a crazy 15-16 months I mean it was just non-stop pretty much started there and I got tasked with setting up the Pro Pitch app so that was kind of the first one so Never done it before in my life. I knew what I think I needed. it needed to look like, but how you get there was just a whole... It really was a huge learning curve, and I dedicated a lot of time to that. Certainly in the first sort of like five months, it was just all about that app, and it was like full full-on. So Dean got his ear bent pretty much every day. What do you think about this? What about that? Maybe we should think about including this, and... Dean being Dean, they would give you a bit of advice and then uh, you'd see it when it comes back up and you'll see it and then he'll be like, oh no, that don't work and all the rest of it. <laughs> just... oh, look, and that was the best bit though, I, I, I get on so much better with people that are just so black and white, mm-hmm. this is what I think and I'm going to tell you and we'll have a falling out then we'll then we'll, <laughs> agree to disagree and then we'll just move on and that's it. And that's how it was with Dean that's just how we worked. So yeah we developed the Pro Pitch app and then had a contract with uefa so we had the the champions league final europa league final and that was women's champions league and the super cup so we had those that was obviously quite big and then we had two massive or th- sorry three massive tournaments as well so we did club world cup was one prep and then crossover because it was all in the united arab emirates we did that and it crossed over to the asian cup so we kind of had a continuation of about two I think in total it was about three or four months work, but it was all broken up. But we did two months pretty much solid either side of Christmas, New Year. And that was brilliant. Got to meet a load of guys out there that were looking after those pitches and facilities, which was a great experience, loved it. And we were there to support the... um, support the guys there that were running the tournament so we were just making sure the pitches were up to scratch and fed back into them reporting and things like that which was really good I helped the guys out if they were feeling the pressure a little bit and just um, gave them some advice with things just moving forward which was really good so we did yeah we did all of that and it was it was a crazy crazy time and I loved it though it was just Mm -hmm. ridiculously hard work I mean i think I was there 15 months and I think I did something stupid like 60,000 air miles. So um, considering I spent four months at the very start of it in the UK, (laughs) the rest of the time we were just traveling. So I mean, I was pinging from all over the place. I mean, Dean Dean loves it. Dean absolutely loves it. and uh, I enjoyed it. I I must admit, I did enjoy it. But you get sort of like, after about 12 weeks, like, I could do with uh, a couple of weeks at home. here, that'd be quite nice. But just so that opportunity never arose. It was just, it was just, there was always something to do. So Mm. I did all of that and then, Ironic, I've just done a shift in Cairo to help out. We had a contract out there just to help do a sort of like a pitch transition and train some of the staff up and stuff like that. So, myself and Dean and um, another guy, Greg, was we were kind of just splitting our role time in there just to kind of help the guys. So, I flew, flew from Cairo and I had to be in Budapest for the Women's Champions League final. And I had to do all this pinging around. I couldn't fly direct. So, I had to go to Vienna, and sort of two hour layover in Vienna, and then I chopped across to Budapest. So, I think I got. I think my day started at about 6am, and I went in there, checked with the lads, checked the pitch, made to see the the machinery was there that was going to turn up, and I got to my hotel in Budapest, got checked in and sat on a bed at (laughs) 2am, I I was toast, like absolutely brain dead as well, I don't sleep really on short flights, long flights I'm I'm, alright, I'll sleep, it's like two hours you just don't sleep. And I sat down, I had a shower and everything, got myself chilled out. And I did the usual, just, did, just scroll through bits and pieces, and um, yeah, just came up and there was a job for here. And I thought, I'm going to give it a go. Just, just, uh, and it was, uh, and I've said it before, it's, it's one of those jobs that personally I would always class as one of the jobs to have. Yeah. So uh, I, I would have done, I would have done myself an injustice if I didn't go for it, and it would have been a proper what if sort of moment if I didn't I'd rather go for it and not get the job than not go for it and
0: yeah look back and what could have been yeah Yeah,
1: exactly so yeah we did all of that and uh, in between sort of like flying around everywhere I managed to get in for a couple of interviews and yeah I started here in September 2019 and it's been the weirdest (laughs) start to a career (laughs) or a job ever it's um Honestly, I just couldn't even make. I couldn't even make it up. It was a quiet November because it was a World Cup year, so there was no November internationals. That didn't happen. So we had we had quite a bit of uh, corporate usage. So we had quite a lot of sponsors days and things like that that we kind of worked our way through. We had big game Harlequins, which was great, and then we did Six Nations. And I thought, oh, there we go. Now this is what it's all about. And then, bang, pandemic. <laughs> and uh, it's just been. It's just been. Yeah, it's just been absolutely crazy since. It's just been just been non stop. Really has been non stop. Considering we've not had any fixtures to talk of apart from the Autumn Nations Cup. The work has been full on. There's just been it's been a prolonged transition from uh, my predecessor and obviously how he worked and what, what procedures and things and were in place then and there's been no rush. We've just been like I've had time to be able to really get a feel for how the team works and how they do things and then pick ideas up and make suggestions and things like that. And we've just slowly adjusted to a, just a different way of working really. So that seems to be working. <laughs> it's, not like it it's, well. we've, yeah, it's not like it's all gone horribly wrong yet. So no. it's uh, we're, 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 we're kind of plugging away. So it, it's been a, it's been a fair old road. I haven't had lots of jobs to be fair, considering how long I've been working in the industry for. I've not really, um, Moved around too much. I did obviously an extremely long stint at Spurs, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's one of those. Everybody kind of thinks I oh, you just you come out of nowhere. But a lot of people obviously know me within industry. But it's not like it's. Uh, yeah, I'm not like stepped out of college and walked straight to the top job. That's not how it works in our industry. You have to graft, and it's it's the only way. And I've I say it to anybody I know. Um, you only you only get any somewhere in this job, job or certainly this. Industry by grafting. There's no two ways about it. You've got to be willing to put the shifts
0: in. Yeah, you you got to you you can't be afraid of being uncomfortable. You know, with with the challenges.
1: Yeah, 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 of course. I mean, if you 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 know, there's a chance you're going to have to do a seventy-eighty hour week. Mm -hmm. That's just that's just part of it. You can't you can't fight nature. You can't beat it. You have to try and work around it and. She'll throw whatever she likes at you. You've just got to learn, learn what to, when to take the punches, and when not to take them. You know, it's just, that's just how it is. I
0: think that's a skill in itself though, Jim, especially this time of year, because it's the horrible weather, everyone's doing as much as they possibly can. You know, you're messing around with lighting rigs, sheets, everything else, trying to get the plant no. to grow in, yeah, a, in yeah. an unnatural yeah. situation. One thing I always see with we yourself and a lot of the other top guys, to be fair you you crack on the motivation's still there,
1: yeah, I mean and you have to I mean, it's the thing it's just like I said, for me, when I was younger, it was a hunger, I just wanted to get into it, and i've never mm. I've never shied away from working hard. it's never been my thing i've always if i've got to do ten hour days I do ten hour days if i've got if I've got going on a sunday, <laughs> I've got going on a Sunday, it's just just what you've got to do, so it's just. That that motivation thing. I think. Uh, I think as you get older, I think you appreciate more that uh, you can't change things. <laughs> you can't change things. It's, it is going to happen. The weather is going to do what the weather is going to do, and you are going to have fixtures. That's, <laughs> that's you know, and it's, that's what you've got to deal with. And it's mm-hmm. and it's entirely up to you how much work you want to put in, how much planning you want to put in to try and make sure that those fixtures happen. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. That's your job. Your job is to make sure fixtures happen. And like I say, if, 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 if of course, you're going to get dark days. That's just all part and parcel. But it doesn't matter whether you're in this industry or any other industry. Everybody yeah. gets dark days. And it's just how that happens. You know, it's just like, well, that's gone wrong this week. I had that planned, but the weather's shafted me. I was going to do that, but 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 this has happened. It happens for everyone. Literally, mm-hmm. it happens for everyone, and it's it's very difficult to not do a poor me. It's really hard not to because you can honestly you can i uh, you can sit on a you can sit in the stand and look at the pitch and go it's fucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's so easy to do that. But uh, I think what I have learned is if you're looking at it every day, it's you get a very warped view. Yeah. Uh, and that that's the one thing I've taken away, and it comes with experiences. Now I look at it for what it is, and it's at face value. Now I don't go, oh, it's not improving quick enough, Jim. It's been 24 hours, you idiot. I, I don't know what you are expecting to happen in 24 hours. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, think, things can happen in 24 hours, but having, uh, and I think it is, it's managing your own expectations. I think it's so easy just to kind of, oh, I want it to be brilliant all the time. It, it's just not possible it's always a work in progress and i think as soon as you can accept that it's always a work in progress that's your motivation then it's like i know i've got to get this done this is what i've planned for that's going to give me that's the next day done that's this week done and i know if i've got the end of this week and if i think what i've put in there is going to give me that result at the end of it that's what i'm taking to to the next week so Mm -hmm. i think it's just getting a good understanding of what what resources you have available what products are out there having a really good understanding of what is out there and what's going to be? Uh, I say useful. I mean, it's it, 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 of course it's going to be useful, but it, is it going to be? Is it going to be bespoke enough, or is it going to fit in well enough into the program you've currently got planned? I mean, we're always fine tuning, we're always adapting, we're always changing. There's, I think the methodology doesn't change too much, but I think what fits into that methodology does. I think ultimately, I think the things that's changed since I've been in this industry, whereas before there was a small, small products portfolio available for us and we had to make it fit. Yeah. So it was a, it was a nearly there or oh, it's, it's kind of fit that, you know, it's not like a, it's not exactly what I want, but it's, it's almost what I want. And I think that, that margins changed and it's almost like a, the roles have reversed now. So I think it's very much now we've got the ability to actually request something for then companies to then, oh, actually, well, fair enough, funny enough, I've had a couple of guys that have asked me about that. And then now I think companies now have adapted to actually either procure and find the products that suits or have the ability to be able to produce that product bespoke for whoever needs it. and I, And I think that's a big thing that's shifted. Um, certainly over the last uh, certainly the last ten years, I think there's been a big shift where it's gone away from well we've we've only got this, so this is what you're going to have to make do with. It's <laughs> like so, yeah, okay, but it's not quite what I'm looking for, you know. And it's just it's it. I think it's that that's having that ability to just kind of be able to not necessarily dictate. That's not what you're doing, but you, you're able to manipulate the market to suit. And I, and I think that's a good thing. And I think the, the the I think there's a lot of guys now that are asking the same sorts of questions, and they're challenging companies to come up with the goods now, rather than just saying, "Well, I haven't got that." Well, sorry, I can't help you, and then they go away. It's not that now. It's like, "Well, hold on a minute. We haven't got that. We've got this for now, but we're actually going to look into trying trying to do this." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The relationships just changed now. I think it is it's changed quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I've definitely seen that. You know, it's uh, I've been in the industry as, as long as you, but even over the last you know 10 15 years, there's been big developments on the product side. I mean, when you look back at football years ago, I was speaking to somebody the other day, you know, he was like, We had three fertilizers, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we just up and down the rates, depending on, on what we yeah. wanted at the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. and as yeah, long as yeah. we have the fundamentals in place, it was all right,
1: exactly. How- Interestingly, though, <laughs> I, I I'll tell you what he's interested actually is how much it and it goes to show you how things have changed quite significantly is that you've gone from having really small ranges of fertilizers available to now having <laughs> the hugest portfolio ever i mean I, I mean i think i could honestly pick up the phone and speak to like six or seven guys now yeah. and i could probably get i don't know 20 different products from each guy Easy. So, i mean uh, and you're looking at straight away and that's a good thing i don't think that's a bad thing Interestingly, you were saying, oh, uh, and then you look at the fungicides, and I'm going back 20 years ago, and it was <laughs> you had so, many, so much choice with regards to fungicides, and then it got kind of really technical where they had to obviously start moving in and around the EU laws and stuff like yeah. that. So now we've got to a point where it's just like, well, yeah, we've got six, that's it, the end.
0: Yeah. I, I do agree. I think there's been a real transition, you know, the last few years. Product side of it has gone massive. And I know well we keep it fairly simple with the the kind of products that we that we choose, but yeah, I think people in the industry as a whole are kind of waking up and they are being a bit more inquisitive. You know. As yeah. In,
1: oh, absolutely. Like like I said, it's it's been able to have that ability to challenge. Mm. And I, I think as well, I think the fact is, is that um, I suppose to a certain degree, us guys at the top end that are pushing them. Boundaries and asking the questions and challenging and things like that—it's benefit to the industry ultimately, yeah. because then that all of a sudden that's a, a a portfolio or or new products that have come about now that has been on the basis that we've demanded that from the market. So anybody a, anybody that's working anywhere else in the industry now also has access to those products. So it's um that that's a good thing, and I, and I think that's a great attitude that that you have to have, and I mean. Like I say, a lot of the guys, the, the current generation of guys that are working at the elite level is that we're I think we are all very similar with regards to our approaches uh, and our attitudes to work. And I think that's, that's quite a good thing because that in itself is quite a powerful thing to move the industry on. And I think that's it really needs that. I think it really does need that. And it's just a case of just trying to keep pushing, really, just to try and keep things moving along.
0: I agree, mate. And what I do love about um, the kind of groundsmanship side of it is that you guys are willing to talk. You know, you're willing to share ideas and share thoughts. Yeah, and... I, I mean, I th- do you know
1: what? And I think it used to be very kind of closed doorish, and there'd be certain amounts that you'd share and there'd be some things you wouldn't talk about. But, I mean, it's like... Now, I think, obviously, it's a bit different because, well, we can't go and see anybody at the minute, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, obviously in normal, normal times, you could literally just say, right, are you about, do you mind if I pop over in a couple of weeks' time? And mm. uh, and, that, and, that, and everybody's like, yeah, 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 come up, come up, come up. And you'll just go up there and you'll have a brew and you'll have a, like I say, you'll shoot the shit and you'll have a good walk over the pitch. And I think as well, though, the key here is, is that nobody's afraid to ask questions. So rather than wait to be sort of like, have the information shared now, we ask the questions and so uh, I drop into, so I'll, I'll go see, um, for instance, i go see Paul at Arsenal, or if I go see Brad's, there's none of this, oh, show me around, see what we're going at. I, I'm, I'm straight in there, I'm asking questions. Because I think the thing is, it, to a degree it breaks the ice, but I think it kind of just gets to the crux of the issue, is that I, if I ask you those questions, but well, if you come to my place, you want to ask me questions, there's no kind of, you don't have to wait. There's none of this kind of waiting on ceremony. It's just like, come on, let's just... The share, share the information, and it, and it and it helps. That's the thing. It's just like, oh, do you know what? that's a really good idea, and I'm going to try that. And, and do you know what I mean? And in fact, oh, that's brought me that two percent. It might be that two percent, but
0: but I think that's needed, mate, because um, similarly to the golf side, is is what I see. The demands are just higher and higher and higher. The expectations are higher and higher and higher.
1: Everything's going that way, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, uh, and. Like I say, there's an expectation and it's about managing those expectations that producing the goods week in week out is is exceptional it is exceptional and I think there has to be a point where you can turn around and say, well, he can't be like that all the time and that's and it's not necessarily anything that you as a as a groundsman you've actually done any different uh, ultimately the weather is going to dictate how good your pitch is unless you've got to that point where you can fix those variables which you can't you can't fix the weather uh, that ultimately makes that decision as to how good or bad a surface is yeah. and I think that's the thing and, and people are easy to forget, forget that though people don't understand that an impact of the winter and how much that takes to recover and it's easy to forget drainage issues in the summer yep. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh, we're back in the summer now, everything's growing, cushy, brilliant, but uh, proactive groundsmen that we already took, well, hold on a minute, where are all my bad areas from winter, because I need to address that now, yeah. and get them fixed, ready for this coming winter, and it's so easy just to kind of roll through, it's, oh yeah, I forgot it's bad again, uh, and, and there's a reason behind that, you know, so, again, going back to that point, it's just a, a challenge in everything, you know, so... Yeah.
0: You need to have the ability to do that. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of what what I've kind of uh, seen and what I've kind of put together in the background is is doing the right things at the right time, you know, and having that experience behind it onto when to pull or do the right thing at the right time. Yeah. Uh, But a lot of it for me, wherever I go, a lot of it still comes back to one of the first things I ever learned, which was water, air, light, temperature
1: basics. No, 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 no. Interestingly, 9 times out of 10, the solution lies in one of those yeah. things. Yeah. It's either too much, it's not enough, or it's completely missing. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, it, it's the layers of complexity, that's the thing. So I think you've always got to be able to have that period of just taking it right back to the basics, And like you just mentioned. Uh, are those elements there? and if they're all there then you look into the next layer so right, and then you actually start breaking it down that way and it's very easy to get lost in that and not oh, yeah. re- and not refer back to the foundations of the basics of life <laughs> what does every living organism needs to live and and that's the way you've got to look at it and like i say i think in stadiums it's easy to start ticking boxes quite quickly because it's quite an inhos- inhospitable environment but it's the same across anything, really. I mean, if if you have, I don't know, let's say three weeks of overcast weather, then that's going to have an impact on the plant's metabolism, what it's able to do. So it's just having that ability to be able to understand and the fact that sometimes you can't actually change anything.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: just a process that you think, right, I, this is how it's going to be. It's declined. What do I need to do to get it back right? Sometimes that happens, you know. Yeah. It's just... It's part of it. That's the interesting part of the job, really, you know.
0: Yeah, and I do think we're moving, you know, the more people I see and and speak to, I do think we're moving into a much clearer kind of future as to kind of what does what, you know, and a lot more documentation and and data collation. But it was interesting what you said just a second ago about you you kind of realise you've done everything you can do. And I think that falls into what I see with, like, yourself during, like, tournament play or one of my first experiences was was actually with um, Chris Haspel with the Scottish Open. So over there, as in when the actual tournament came and, like, day of uh, tournament and everything else, the the kind of top people I see are so calm, you know, and I was kind of looking at these guys coming through going, how the bloody hell are they so calm? You know, inside you might be going absolutely mental, but on the well, outsider looking yeah. in. It,
1: it's, it's interesting because uh, you have to remember all the hard work's been done, uh, and everything's all built up to that point. So regardless of whether it's a game, whether it's a tournament, whatever it is you're, you're delivering, all the planning, all the work that's been put in, that's it, it's done. There's mm-hmm. nothing more you can do. So everything you've got now is just going to be on reflection. So as in, right, how how has that surface played during that time? And then that's when you're kind of thinking, right, I did have that plan for next week, but that's not quite done how I wanted it to play. I think there's something there we can probably adapt or change. And that's what you do. And, uh, and I think you start seeing past the, certainly from my experience, you start seeing past the people in the stands, the, yeah. the match day buzz, as you call it, you're able to fog it out basically, so and you're actually just seeing the job for what the job is. And I think it's there's certain elements there, so like uh, for me, here it's just uh, the national anthem, just like oh, big occasion pyros, all the rest of it. You think, oh, it's nice, game starts, it's like right, how's this pitch going to play? Let's like straight back into it again, get focused. But I think as long as you remember, there's nothing you can do, you've just got to identify if there's anything that hasn't done what it, you expected it to do, what do you need to do to make sure it does. Uh, yeah. and, and don't get me wrong I don't sit there with a with a notebook and start making notes of what's not right and what is right but uh, I do spend a long time looking down at the floor when I go out there at half time and just you know this, this isn't quite how I wanted it to play or this is going above my expectations which happens a lot because I don't have high expectations
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well I think um, you, you, you do you put a lot of pressure on yourself to deliver the high standard and you want the best of the best.
1: Do yeah, no, absolutely, and, that, and that's. But you you paid to do that. That's what you are there for. Yeah. You are the you are the specialist in that role, and that's what you're there to be. That's what you're there to do. So you're paid for a role. That's what you need to do. And again, it's difficult to try not to simplify it, but that's essentially it. I mean, it is. It's a piece of grass that has to perform as well as the teams that are on it. Uh, and that's the way you've got to look at it and uh, I've always I've always took the analogy this is essentially it's, it, it is that pitch is an athlete you are that's what you're doing you're honing it and you're conditioning it for play uh, and that's and that's what you're trying to do
0: Thanks for listening to Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub podcast For more information visit advancedgrass.com or follow us on socials using the handle at Advanced Grass.